Hello and welcome to the very first uh, foreign podcast, the podcast for foreigners of every flavour. My name is uh, Mike uh, Bowden. Um, I'm sort of uh, broadcasting from uh, Denmark right now. And um, you are? Uh, my name's Patrick Garrett, and I'm uh, I'm coming at you from <laughs> France. Wow, <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I, I now wish I could have said something equally as cool as that. But uh, you you, know, you'll you'll never be cooler no, than no, me, Mike. No, you just have it. to deal with it. You yeah. know what I mean? This podcast it will be about what pet you tell okay, us. Okay, so it'll be uh, all about the. Sort of state of foreignness, uh, both uh, both you and I, Mike, as we both know, have been uh, been foreigners for a very long time. Um, we're both uh, we're both British, if you haven't guessed that already from our accents. Um, and we just thought that it would be a good idea to do a podcast about really our experiences of being foreign, what it is to be foreign, what does foreign even mean, uh, the what do we say the the socio political aspects oh, yeah. of foreignness. My fucking come on, yeah. I love that shit. Socio political is uh, one of my favourite words ever. <laughs> yeah, good, absolutely. I kind of live for that shit. But no, um, yeah, that's it. And we'll be. Um, I think yeah. For for me personally, it's also being foreign and then being in the country that has very strong opinions about immigration and mm. then how those opinions filter down to me, even though the the laws aren't really there to stop people like me or European kind of immigrants. Mm. It's helped me define my own role of being here and how I'm seen, not just by other Danes, but also kind of by the state. And it's kind of just, uh, it, it makes it, it makes the whole thing very interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. we, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. I think, you know, as soon as we started talking about the idea of doing a podcast about the fact that we're, uh, we have a different national status, if you like, you know, it was pretty easy to sort of like come up with ideas. We got, you know, our experiences, you know, there's a lot of crossover and, you know, a lot of differences as well, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to embarking on this journey with you, Mike. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. For a bit of order, um, the, uh, this podcast will be split up into three sections. The first section, which we'll try and do each time, is maybe a, a news story from either the UK or from France or from Denmark that is about immigration or at least involves some kind of foreignness or the way it um, affects us that we find interesting that we'll talk about. And um, in this episode, we'll then talk about the actual meaning of the word to uh, expatriate or being an expat, what that actually means. And um, to finish off, we'll then talk about us and why we emigrated in the first place, how long we've been here. And, you know, because obviously the most important thing about this whole podcast, Pat, is me and you. So, you know, we're, gonna, I, I we're saving that, the that best is, till last, you know, there. That, that is absolutely correct the yeah. rest of it can yeah. you know it's just completely by the by mike you know i just want to talk about myself yeah, so, so, so it's just a build-up though the, the first two sections just yeah. a build-up to talking about us yeah correct <laughs> that is absolutely true the first um news article of this sort of podcast series uh, is uh, from a, a danish newspaper called berlinske and it's a center-right um it's a centre-right newspaper. I would have put the link up in the podcast description, but it's behind a paywall. But anyway, the, the headline is German German newspaper praises Denmark. 
mm-hmm. um, the uh, and it's about these immigration laws that that Denmark has, and they think that they're really strong, really hard, but they work. Mm. And um, okay. so the first the first line here is "Bean whore, it says, which 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 uh, directly translates as "bone hard." But if you actually mm. look it up in the um, yeah, be, uh, bean hard but successful. So bone hard but successful. Air is Denmark's. I like the way that they um, refer to themselves in the third person. Is Denmark's um, um, asylum policy sort of the way Germany should go? And um, but the word the word bean whore. If you look it up in the Danish dictionary, it's very stressful, either physical, psychological, economical or in any other way, it can also be translated as very strict and insensitive. <laughs> I like okay. that one. And the third one is almost impossible to kind of change or influence. So, um, yeah, there's still this very kind of uh, almost pri- pride um, about these new asylum laws to keep mm. ke- keeping people away. And um, one of the things, I mean, it lists eight, eight different things that the Danes have done, but I'll, I'll pick up on one of them, which I think is pretty amazing in a very kind of ironic sense, where you now have these kind of, again, literal translation, a sort of punishment zone, which, basi- okay. which basically means, Pat, that if you want to punch me in the face, you know, you, 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 you'd never actually get it in. We know that. I'm too quick. And uh, <laughs> I'm too quick and you'll be down before you know it. But, but if we did this kind of, I don't know, in downtown Montpellier, let's just say the police were there and we'd get a fine or something, be arrested. But if we did that in a kind of an area where there were, yeah, the, the police designate to be a problem area, then yeah. our fine would either be increased or a punishment would be increased. So that okay. means a crime in a certain area, the punishment is harder. It's more of a crime. Yeah, it's more of a crime. So, which is the whole kind of idea of being equal in uh, to the law is just now completely, um, you know. I just think that's pretty amazing that. Um, Sorry, just just let me get this straight. Is this that basically, if if a crime is committed in an area full of foreigners, it's treated more severely than a crime that's committed in like an area that isn't full of foreigners. Is that pretty much the upshot? Yeah. I mean, word for word, it says the police now have the opportunity to point out or to create special zones where certain crimes um, like, like violence, threats, uh, extortion, and, um, and, you know, spray painting and stuff like that. I've forgotten what that's called now. Um, Graffiti. Yeah. Graffiti, but, but the whole kind of destruction of property type thing and destruction okay. of property can be punished more severely than other places. Word for word, okay. that's what it says there. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah, that's... Pre- Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty much so. If you're a foreigner, then the laws for Danes don't apply to you. And, and, and what's sort of also interesting is that... Um, well, I think, yeah, I think that's, that, that's enough, really. That's... Um, and it's about how the Germans are kind of looking to um, their Nordic kind of brothers. And even though they understand, <laughs> even though they understand it's quite a hardcore sort of a set of policies here, but maybe that is what it takes to get. You can't, um, you can't fucking spare, spare the rod, Mike. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know, you got you got to be tough. It's tough, a, tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime, yeah. Mike. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, isn't it? It's pretty crazy. Yeah, that that is pretty crazy. I'm not. I, I can't say that I'm massively surprised. However, you know, things tend to be uh, going that way a little bit. Uh, that's a, it's a bit of a shame, obviously. Like, and you know, obviously being completely subjective, but uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not. I can't say I'm mentally surprised by that. Coming from a, a well, speaking from a country that is. Uh, uh, particularly, uh, or can be particularly aggressive towards immigration. That was kind of my news section for uh, today. Has anything been happening in France recently, Pat? That's uh, worth mentioning on a on a podcast uh, run by English people. Well, uh, King Charles, King Charles came to France. Mike, uh, I didn't read anything about it because I'm uh, I'm completely. So there was no, basically, uh, there basically, was no bunting if, 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 in Montpellier. Uh, out by no, you. no, there was there, there was no bunting. There was no bunting here. Uh, there was certainly no bunting in my house. How how, dis- the, uh, how disrespectful! <laughs> I know. Basically, Your like king. if uh, if I see if I see anything uh, anything involving uh, the British royalty, I basically feel like a traitor <laughs> for reading it. Uh, so, uh, so so that that's the only thing I can I can think of right now. But like, uh, you didn't e- take the even, family to even... Paris to see him, right? <laughs> oh my god! Like honestly, my my feet are curling, Mike. <laughs> but you know but, I mean? but was there anyone? Like... Was there anyone though who kind of who did that? Were there people? It was who in the up to it, see it was in the it was in the news. Like okay. um, I, I'm not sure if there were people that turned up to see him. I, I'm not, I've, I've, I honestly I have literally no idea. I think you mentioned didn't he hold up a PSG shirt or something? Yeah, he had a PSG shirt with Charles and number three on it, which I think probably means he's Charles the Third, is he? Uh, yeah, or was uh, it number three? Yeah, I think so. But uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine, Mike. But just all the yeah. listeners that we're going to get on the first one, if you know more about Charles's visit, why he was there, and if you actually went to see Charles turn up, then we we would love to hear from you. We want to know. We want to know more. We want, about- we want you on the show. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what it was like to be in, to be in the presence <laughs> of God. <laughs> of, of the king. <laughs> well, in the next section, we're going to be actually looking at the word because both of us are in, in uh, are language students in some way. We'll be looking, we're looking at the word itself to expatriate or expatriate and um find that actually quite interesting, the idea of, of the etymology, which means the, uh, the origin of the word, where it comes from. And um, so apparently, Pat, the word ex, expatriate comes from the Latin. That's it. And uh, ex means out of, and patria is either native country, but more in tune of the things we like, it actually means the fatherland, Pat. You know? Fatherland. Fatherland. That's the P bit, yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got to be honest. Uh, I, I know, I know we, have, we have talked about this before, but like, uh, you know, I never, I literally never use this word for, for, you know, to describe myself, even though, you know, a lot of, a lot of British people in France do. I mean, you, you do have the, the expat community, but, um, I, you know. But are I do, they called that or do they refer to themselves as no, that? No, I think there are a lot of people that refer to themselves that way. I mean, so like when we first moved to France, we lived in a region called Corrèze, which is in the middle of France, which is next to the Dordogne, which is famously full of British people. Right. And uh, Corrèze was in the, in the process of filling up with more British people, basically, because the houses were so cheap there. And, um, and if any of them ever hear this, you know, I don't want to insult anyone, but like, you know, uh, expat for me, you know, they, they would basically refer to themselves as expats because, you know, for me, it, it really does refer to somebody that's going to uh, retain something of 
the fatherland, if you like. Mm. You know, they're not, they're not going to, there was no chance of those people like fully integrating, put it that way. You know, I mean, like to, you know, for me, I suppose like full integration, I suppose like really only comes with, with the language. I mean, you know, this is something, you know, certainly, you know, part of my experience is that you don't really, it's, it's very difficult to sort of become a, a, a genuine part of society unless, and, you know, unless you sort of like speak the language or wherever you are. And it's, um, uh, there, there was never any chance of any of those people doing that. You know, it was, so it was, it was almost like they had sort of like one foot in France and one foot in Britain. And, uh, yeah, I like, I, I just, I, I find the word like quite problematic to be honest, because like it, it, it tends to, you know, just from, from my experience, it tends to be used like as a sort of, um, as, as an alternative to immigrants, you know, you would find you would never get these people like, you know, and calling themselves an, an, an immigrant because obviously the, the, the word immigrant has negative connotations. Yeah, I get like teased, for, for, I get teased by friends about being an immigrant, which is quite oh, really? funny. Yeah. They tease me and is the there's this kind of smile because they are teasing me, but at the same time, what's yep. actually going on is they're saying that we know that you're not an immigrant. Yeah, that's it. Because an immigrant maybe has darker skin than you and yep. you are of another status than an immigrant, so I'm kind of putting you down. Yeah. But obviously I'm not calling my friends racist, you know. So some of my friend, some of my best friends aren't racist. But uh, no, <laughs> But it's it's kind of a but yeah it's it, it's something to do with the word right to because the dictionary yeah. definition of the word immigrant is actually what we are we're living and working in a different country that's that's what it is but I'm an immigrant there's there's absolutely no no doubt about that that is literally what I am and like you know I would always you know I've had to sort of say to people you know not, not very often to be honest but like I have had to say to people you know who've been We've maybe got on a, a bit of a rant about like, you know, the immigrants, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, well, actually, <laughs> I am an immigrant. You know, it's just like, you know, maybe because I, you know, just because I'm white and I speak, you know, a decent level of French doesn't mean that I'm not an immigrant. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, semantics is extremely important because, you know, the, the words carry with them. Yeah, what you call you know, something real, is what it becomes. Real right? meaning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is exactly what it is, you know. And, uh, you know, to, to be an immigrant is not the same as being an expat. You know, I, I I don't know. I've met many. I don't know if you do. You know many British people in Denmark, Mike? Um, no, not right. Really. I know a couple. There's a guy I work with. He's from um, England, and uh, there's I've met a few British people in my local uh, pub at the time when I moved over, but they weren't. I don't know. It's it, it sounds really sort of snobbish and aloof, but I mean, if I met these people in London, where I'm also from which also has a great bearing on lots of different things, being from London and maybe not from England, but, mm. we'll, but we'll get back to that. It's, um, they're not people who I would actually probably become friends with. So yeah. um, not, there's nothing wrong with them. And I'd chat and say hello, but there wouldn't be people who, you know, I'd actually become close friends with. So I think it's more maybe other people that group us together. Oh, well, he's mm. English, you're English. Therefore, have a chat to one another. Therefore, we're mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yes, course. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, but I think that's really quite natural that we just as human beings, we, we compartmentalize things, puts it in boxes and make them easier to understand. Yeah. But I think what's more problematic is what, is what you're talking about. And I'll link the article in the description is uh, it was written uh, a good few years ago, but it's still relevant. And I'm not going to uh, get this pronunciation of the name right, but it's written by Mawuno Remarque or Remarque Kutonin uh, for The Guardian. 
And the headline really says it always, why are white people expats when the rest mm. of us are immigrants? So, um, but what well, I- there's a, there's a, there's a financial connotation, right? Like, mm. you know, it's basically, you know, what I mean, you know, but well, I'll talk about this in future episodes, but like France is the, is the absolute home of like anti-immigration rhetoric. You know, we, there is this con, there is a constant, um, discourse about mass immigration. So like, we're not, we're not talking about mass expatriate, mm. expatriation or whatever, you know, we're talking about mass immigration. Like, you know, immigration comes with a, um, a sense of burden, of, of financial burden. Like when people talk about mass immigration that, you know, in the next breath normally, or, you know, as part the, the absolutely linked with, with the idea of mass immigration is, is a burden on, for example, uh, health systems, education systems, et cetera, et cetera. And like, it's a, the word immigrants, you know, is, is directly linked to that. You know, I think in, in many people, well, certainly in the media, and therefore I would assume in, in many people's minds is that, you know, if you're an immigrant, then uh, you're a problem. And, you know, this is why I think, you know, a lot of people, this is why I find the word expat problematic, because it effectively, um, it proposes this sort of delineation between forms mm. of immigration. That you know, like if you're if you're maybe if you're British, then you're you're not part of mass immigration, even though there are hundreds of thousands of British people that live in France, and um, and and vice versa. There are you know hundreds of that. I think you know there are I think there are more French people that live in London than live in Lyon, right? Something like that. Something like that. You know what I mean? It's just, but of course that's fine because you know. You're We're white not and you're from North yep. Africa or the Middle East or India or. But you know, do you have a uh, word? Because in, in in Denmark, there's a word that the way they we or the media or the politicians, because I have to be obviously careful. But the way that re- immigrants are referred to are like either Western or non-Western. Okay. So so Denmark is very kind of um, careful to kind to to to. to um, to split these up into two groups. So I'm a Western mm. immigrant, therefore mm. no problem. A non-Western immigrant, therefore problem. Okay. And, but I think without trying to defend anything or just, just for the sake of perspective, that there, there are and there have been problems with uh, people coming from uh, non-European countries and with certain values and traditions and ideas that have created, have created some kind of tension and, and I'm not proportioning any blame, but there must, but what I'm trying to say is there must be a way of talking about these groups of people without it being hierarchical. Mm. Because if you do then talk about immigrants and the cultural problems, I could then say, well, I'm not giving you any problem. But I know who you're talking about, so yeah, I think yeah, it's it's very difficult, and it's and um, I think um, yeah. But in Denmark, even if you've been here for maybe two or three generations, you're still called a kind of a second generation immigrant, and yeah, and a third same in Britain, isn't it? third generation immigrant rather than being Danish. Mm. You know, I mean, in France, to be honest, the the rhetoric is effectively uh, anti-Islamic. You know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we, we, I'll talk about this again, like, you know, in, in future episodes, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, they, they, it, it, it's, it's mainly centered. The, the sort of anti-immigration rhetoric is almost entirely centered on immigration from North Africa. You know, I live in the South of France. I live in Montpellier and, mm. uh, you know, there's a, a, there are a lot of Maghrebian 
people that live here. Uh, people from Algeria, uh, Morocco, especially, um, like Tunisia, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, um, the far right is is particularly virulent in the south of France, specifically because that's, that's where most uh, people from right, yeah, um, from, from North Africa, North Africa live. But again, the the the, the rhetoric right, from uh, from people like Marine Le Pen, for example, is almost entirely centered on on um, on keeping uh, France. Uh, non-Islamic, effectively. So it's uh, and for the, those who don't know, Marine Le Pen, just to you know, is who? Marine Le Pen is the uh, she's the she's the daughter of uh, I can't know what's his name. I can't yeah. honestly. I, I I hate him so much, Mike. Mister, I can't even Mr. remember Le, his name. Mister Le, Le, Le Pen. Mister Le Pen. It, I think he's Jean Jean Marie Le Pen. I yeah, Jean Marie Le Pen. Yeah, that's exactly right. It that's must it. be. And uh, yeah. she's the uh, she's now the head of its uh, party called La Rassemblement National, which means the uh, mm. the national the national get together. <laughs> basically, <laughs> is that what it means? Uh, <laughs> the national uh, Rassemblement means like uh, grouping together. Oh, ensemble. It, kind it, of. It, 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 yeah, resemble. Okay, or yeah, rassemble. rassemble? Fucking ensemble. Hell, I can't, I can't yeah. remember. So another yeah, French exactly. word. Yeah. Uh, okay. Great. Yeah, yeah, sort of. But she's she's uh, yeah, she's the extreme right. In the France. national so brouhaha. She, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's the uh, she's the legitimate face of of the uh, of the extreme right in France. Um, and you know, she's a uh, yeah, like the 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 anti the anti immigration rhetoric effectively is is uh, it comes through her and another guy in the mainstream called Eric Zamor. Who's uh, they're they're the two most popular sort of like ant, uh, anti-immigrants really in uh, in French politics. So uh, right, but yeah, just a bit to go back to to the word expat. Basically, and if you're an expat, you're you're not you're not a target for these people effectively. Or, no, you know you, no, you kind it. of you kind of you might be a lesser target, but nowhere near. Uh, you are nowhere near in the. Uh, we're at the back the of the queue. Of we're we're, yeah, we're, we're not at the front it, of the queue. Basically, you know? yeah, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, Once yeah. they dealt with them, they'll get to us. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but dealing with them is taking longer than they hope. Yeah, but I think this will be a good point to maybe move on to the next section, yeah, which will on. be uh, you know the one we've all been waiting for, which is like hearing about us and our lives and who we are. If we continue then from the previous section about expat and the word, what it means, as it says here, it means sort of to um, out of your fatherland and. Uh, as we've spoken before, when we talked to each other, do you feel that you've left something, Pat? No, like I've got to be honest. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you briefly my story. It's a really long one. I've been here for a long time. Like I've been in been in France since 2010. Um, so before that, I was a uh, uh, I'd lived in Britain all my life. I could only speak English, and um, we to cut a really long story short. Basically, I, I just like I I just launched a business and. Um, we just had three children and we were living in a two bedroom flat in Worthing uh, in the south of south of England near Brighton. Uh, and we had to do something basically. And we decided that we were going to leave. Like my, my wife, Fiona, she's a, she's a linguist and we, we, I'd always wanted to speak another language. And we really wanted that our kids for our kids to be able to speak two languages. And we were kind of in the run up to Brexit. It was a pretty miserable period. You know, the press just every day was just full of like uh, racist rhetoric about immigration. I just, you know, I really didn't want to like my family to grow up in that kind of environment. It's so you like, moved well, you to know. France. Yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> 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 and I, uh, 
so we, you know, we 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 went around the houses and uh, tried to work out where we were going to go, and in the end, we just decided to go to France mainly because it was, um, it was foreign. You know, we wanted to we wanted a change of culture and we wanted like a complete language change, and also it was close. You know, obviously our parents weren't weren't going to get any younger, and we wanted to be relatively close to them, so we just put all of our stuff in a van and just left. And uh, we went to, like I said, we went to a region in the middle of France called uh, Corrèze, which is um, uh, next to the Dordogne. And it was kind of like the Dordogne was pretty played out um, in terms of in terms of people buying houses. So I mean, that was the main main reason that so many people, British people, went to France. I don't know if you remember shows like uh, No Going Back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That was it was basically encouraging people to just pick up all their shit and just like leave and right. go and buy a cheap cheap house in France because houses in Britain were just becoming so expensive. Yeah, there was, yeah. And um, we uh, and we yeah, we we rented for for years and yeah, we just never went back. Basically, in the end, we um, we sold our house in Britain and now we just like our kids are in school here. You know, our, our, we've got two boys who they were one, they were a year old when we moved. And um, yeah, they they you know obviously we we go back to Britain periodically to sort of see family and stuff, but you know we're we're done, you know we're we're here full time. That's it. Yeah, great. That's it. And uh, so how about you? Like, why did you why did you leave England? Yeah, I uh, left England back in two no nineteen ninety nine. Uh, uh, the family numerologist said leave on the ninth. Of September 1999. That's a joke, but that, that is the date. That is the date that I left, and I arrived at nine minutes past nine. No, um, but yeah, it was the ninth of the ninth, 99. Pure coincidence, but just a bit weird. And I left because slightly different situation to you, but maybe the same. I had no education. I left school stupidly uh, at the end of the fifth form. When I say stupidly, it means you know if I. If I, I should have just studied and maybe got some A-levels, but I didn't do that. So I was just working um, kind of in sort of dead-end jobs, really, uh, you know, selling things, uh, high street stores, selling uh, TVs and stuff for Sony. And my girlfriend, who I met whilst I was working at a hotel just before I was working for Sony, is Danish. And she was over just on a kind of a working holiday, maybe taking a year out. And so she always had plans to go back to Denmark and read to be a nurse. And um, she stayed for a year or a little bit longer because of, I, I suppose, me. And in the end, we both agreed that we'd try and live in Denmark. And um, yeah, we so we left. And that was 24 years ago, which is now over half my life. and. I'm now have studied, got my A levels. I've gone to university. I've studied English and social sciences, which I now social sciences is a mixture of sociology, politics, and economy. And I now teach those at uh, a sixth form college or a high school um, in, in Denmark. So for people to go like pre university or pre further education, um, mm. they that they that uh, they come to me. Yes, yeah, so that was a long story short, but it was more mm. to do with that I didn't feel trying to link together with this feeling of being an expatriate. I didn't feel that there was anything really tying me down to no. to and I know 
I can only talk from my own experience. I know it was maybe the same for you in Worthing, but living in London, you know, London is just so big. Well, it's small relatively, but you know, there's like 9 million people and maybe feeling a part of something and having a kind of an identity that is beyond like myself, who I am and feeling a part of a larger society or a community. London, mm. you know, London has got very sort of very tenuous things that make you a Londoner, but definitely anything to do with a nation or a, or a sort of national community, London just doesn't have it. And um, I, I'm not saying that's what got you know, just looking back on it now, and 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 knowing um, the way that uh, people where I live now, because I live in a um, in a place called Odense which is the third largest town in Denmark. You've got Copenhagen, which is on the right. And then you've got, you know, the, you've got uh, Jutland, which is the bit connected to Germany. And there's a little island in the middle. And I live on the, uh, I live in the, in, in the kind of the major town on the island. So it's basically just a province town. Mm. And uh, so coming from like a, a sprawling metropolis, Pat, to this kind of quiet, mm -hmm. this quiet sort of predominantly uh, white, predominantly ethnic Danish province town is um yeah it it really makes me think about what influence my surroundings have had on me when i can really see how people's surroundings and upbringing the effect that it's had on them being mm. in kind of such a homogenous uniform kind of country mm. and it sounds like i'm criticizing i'm not that's just what it is and mm. i think denmark is also knows that and is maybe proud of that to, to a certain extent but it does make me reflect on uh, how perhaps being born and raised on the streets of London, uh, how that has uh, maybe affected my own sense of identity and my own um, mm. my own connection to the UK. Okay. So yeah. it's funny. It's funny you say that because, like, I honestly, like, I, I personally, I have never felt a link to to any country ever. Like, you know, I don't like. I really. Uh, um, uh, the the idea of nation really does not form any part of like you know my personal like my personally perceived identity. I don't mm. consider myself to be you know English. Mm. You know when people uh, you know in in the sense that most people would think of it. You know I really don't you know I don't have like you know a, a national identity, and it's um it's really difficult to explain that to people sometimes. A lot of people you know obviously because I have an English accent when I speak French, I have to sort of like constantly explain that you know i'm i'm not french you know but it's like it, the 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 word french has a lot of meanings and so is the word english you know yeah. what i mean i, I, and I, danish, and I yeah. you know i i have to say um i basically say you know i i was born in england you know that's that's why i've sort of settled on you know that's what i say now i you know just to explain why i you know i don't speak sort of like french natively but like in terms of um feeling a, a connection to, to Britain, you know, there, there never was one ever. Like, you know, I really genuinely never felt that even like, you know, from when I was a child, I was always completely baffled by this, uh, this sense of like national belonging, national identity. I just, I don't, I still don't understand it really because, you know, um, which is another podcast well, for, for itself. For, for, I mean, not for, another one, for loads episode, of I mean. reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the, um, but, I'm sure but, we'll get into that. I, I, I was not, I was not stopped by, any kind of sort of, I know people who have been stopped because they buy, you know, this sort of like sense of national identity. Mm. And, um, and it certainly didn't stop me <laughs> at all. You know, I know like, you know, this idea of like, you know, being outside the fatherland, you know, I simply don't <laughs> have one, 
you know, it's, it's like, I, I never, I have never thought that way. You know? I mean, I, like I've been at, like, like you, all of my education was basically done in, in France, you know, I like more than you, all of yours was done in Denmark. You know, I, I don't, um, I don't, you know, thanks France, but you know, I don't, I, you know, I owe you nothing, quite frankly, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, it's, uh, so yeah, that's my, um, that's my story of like, you know, why it really wasn't, um, really wasn't difficult for me to, to leave England and never look back. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, and I yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I was just saying that maybe kind of nicely, um, ties the bow on the, on this section. Cause the idea was to expatriate means you're leaving something where I think if I could speak for both of us more, our perspective is what we were going to rather than what we were leaving. Yeah, I think that's what we're right. leaving behind. So, uh, so the word denotes this kind of leaving this fatherland and going out into the world. But I was definitely with this. Is it was more where I was going rather than what mm. I was actually leaving behind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the same. The same could be said for us as well. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was pretty much the first episode. I would imagine, Pat. Uh, I think that I think that's it, Mike. Yeah. Next time we'll be talking about. Uh, learning a different language and not just the process of it, but also perhaps how different words and different phrases from the language changes the way that you see things, which I think is really quite interesting. It might be a bit abstract, but, and um, anything else you want to add to that, Pat? Uh, I I mean, I, I, for, for me, it's always been like really fascinating for me because obviously I was 36, 37 or whatever, like mm. when we moved to France and it's always a, uh, I just, I'd quite like to talk about the experience of not being able to like speak the language at all like, <laughs> and, and, and like getting over, you know, the, the, well, the, the, the very long process of like learning it to a, to a, to a high standard and you know, what it, what it really meant and bloody blah. I'd, I'd quite like to talk about my experience about that. Yeah, definitely. As you know, your experience was slightly different than mine in the fact where I moved over with a Dane who, who could yeah. communicate on both of our behalves, where the two of you just kind of landed in, in France. Um, not really knowing how to communicate with anybody. So that yeah, is true. that's true. Uh, but yeah, that will be next time. And we'll, we'll uh, endeavor to get a podcast out every, uh, every couple of weeks, twice a month. And um, I think that kind of wraps it up. We've run out of time. Pat. We're, we're out of time. Mike. That's it. Uh, thanks very much for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye-bye.